This episode deals with violence against children and women and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just three gals that like to sit around and drink coffee. Hold a sweet, sweet oh, coffee. Oh, 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 back it on, Dave. Back it on, Dave. Coffee. Get me a blanket. <laughs> it's chilly it's because chilly. of the murder. <laughs> the murder. <laughs> oh, little dear. body chills. <laughs> Well, appropriate, because, well, my ladies and beans, this one is a doozy. I'd like to shout out Adam for this recommendation. He didn't know all the details of the case, but that changes today. So, my ladies and beans, have you ever heard of Fred West? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. And his wife? Uh-huh. No! Oh, yeah. Here it comes. Uh, here it comes, Amanda. You're welcome. All right. I'm just so, happy to be here. You're happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> there is a band who wrote some songs inspired by serial killers, and Fred West was one of them. The band is called Porcupine Trees, and the That's album... A good band name. Right? Good band name. It's already taken. You can't write Damn. it down. <laughs> the album is called In Absinia. And the song that I listened to was Blackest Eyes. So after you make it through this awful story, I encourage you to check that out. Now, as I always want to reiterate that these stories can get intense, and if you need to skip ahead or just totally skip episodes, we completely understand and support you. Thank you for showing us some love by being here. We super appreciate each and every one of you beans. We also have days where we just can't talk about this stuff and we need to step away and just be a few silly, goofy ladies that talk about silly things. So this episode deals with heavy subjects, and even I, when I was researching it, I had to take breaks. I get it. We get it. And with all that in mind, Fred West, or Frederick Walter Stephen West, that's right, four names. Oh my <laughs> four God. names. So you know. Hello, evil. You know this is not going to end well. Yeesh. No. So let's so take a trip across the pond to merry old England for this one. <laughs> you can't Too make bad. me go. Oh, I, I am traveling, so I don't want to go. Too late. You're coming along. So Fred was born September 25th, 1941. His family were farm workers and did not have much money. His father was Walter Stephen West, and his mother was Daisy Hannah Hill. He was their second born of six kiddos, and this family was not your typical one. Uh, their father was said to be having an incestuous relationship with one of his daughters, Fred's sister. Oh. Uh, this was something that was said to be widely accepted in the household, along with bestiality. No! Fred spoke about his father during a police interview and said uh, his father, on many occasions, would say, do what you want, just don't get caught doing it. <gasps> mm. Oh! <laughs> It was also said that his mother, Daisy, sexually abused Fred as soon as he turned 12 years old. Fred was never book smart. He was good with art and woodwork. And it wasn't enough, though, and he ended up leaving school in 1956 when he was 15 years old. When he was 17, he got into a motorcycle accident and suffered a fractured skull and a broken arm and leg. He was actually in a coma after the accident for eight days. 
he wasn't the same after the accident. It was a Hanukkah coma. <laughs> <laughs> a Hanukkah coma. Hanukkah. There it is. Hanukkah. <laughs> uh, his family later reported that he would go into fits of rage. And when he was 19, he hit his head yet again. This time, he had fallen from a fire escape and was unconscious for 24 hours. Now, there are theories that head injuries are major factors with murderers and serial killers specifically. Mm -hmm. Brenna, you and I love this stuff. Do you want to add any details about head trauma? Uh, So yeah, we've we've, uh, been able to touch on some head trauma in the past. We did a whole episode on Chris Benoit. Um, I know that we also... We've talked about it before. There's definitely been, I feel like, one other person in our past episodes that hit their head and they became, like, was it, uh, I can't remember. I can never remember their names. But There's I a just lot of them were oversaturated. Yeah. Saturated. Oversaturated. Oversaturated. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we talked about uh, CTE, uh, chronic mm. traumatic encephalopathy. Um, it's de- brain degeneration likely caused by repeated head traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that this is something about, like, uh, there's a lot of information on aggression after a traumatic brain injury. Um, yeah. and I did find, I did find, uh, some stuff with that aggression after traumatic brain injury, TBI, is common but not well defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, 67 participants with first-time TBI were seen within three months of injury and evaluated for aggression, the prevalence of aggression was found to be 28.4% mm. and to be prominently verbal aggression. Oh. So it's possible. Um, I also have a personal story. Um, I have an uncle uh, on whatever, on my mom's side, that he, uh, by marriage, he got into an accident on a bike and then was just never really the same again. Like, mm. he's just had a lot of trouble with aggression and stuff in the past. Um, but I know... There was just a lot involved with that, too. Like, that he, it was just like a freak accident type thing, and then he was just never really the same afterwards. Mm. Um, but he never like killed anybody <laughs> over it. Yeah, he, he just got, I think he just had a shorter switch, like, sort of fuse, I guess. He just sure. Out about stuff and get frustrated. I wonder, too, if it has, like, to do with where the majority of the injury impact is mm-hmm. to, like, what part of the brain and what it affects. Oh, yeah, like, all of your personality and everything is, like, right here in the front. Mm -hmm. And, like, so, like, that's why when they do that, uh, when they lobotomize people and shit, Uh, they just kind of scramble that uh up real quick. Like, they get right in there. And that's right there, front, the front part of your brain. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not, it's a, it is a thing that they've, you know, done some studies on that brain damage can really fuck you up, man. Yeah, Mm because they say what, we were just talking about it before we started recording, but it's, uh, um... The head injury, uh, fire starting, mm-hmm. bedwetting, animal like killing animals. Those yeah. are like signs of a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. I had a head injury as a child, mm-hmm. a real bad one, mm-hmm. and like had to go to the hospital. Um, just smashed my head because I was a kid. Yeah, I had like a big golf ball on it. But they specifically, I remember, like my dad. Every time he tells a story, he's like, "But she didn't have brain injury. She didn't have brain damage. There was yeah. no brain damage. It was all just like <laughs> you so know, funny. a big swelling between the skull and the skin. But she didn't have brain damage." And I'm like, "Are you sure? <laughs> I'm like, are you positive? I love <laughs> I mean, that. You that was so anyone. important. It's like I she's clearly right here. She's fine. Like, yeah, fine. cool. <laughs> fine. I love, that we know of. I love those things. Yeah. But I did have. 
uh, aggression after I got my brain tumor taken out. Mm. I definitely did have like, but that was also because it was on my pituitary gland, which affects your hormones. Mm -hmm. So I was having all kinds of range of emotions and I like didn't, I did not feel like myself. Mm -hmm. I felt like weird and possessed. For a while, oh, it's gotta weird. be so tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So don't mess with brains. Don't, don't mess, mess with brains. Hey, okay, that's good. That's a good one. Final step. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Fred turned twenty years old, and things got worse. He was arrested for molesting a thirteen-year-old girl. He was convicted, but magically avoided getting imprisoned for it. His incest-friendly family, though, disowned him after the incident. Uh huh. A year later... That's in- the God. line. Yeah, that's the God. line. Yeah. You can fuck your sister, but I swear to God. Yeah. Well, the dad said just don't get caught, and he broke the that's line. That's it. Yeah. 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 The rule, he got caught. Oh, no. One rule in this house. <laughs> what the fuck? Awful. Can I get that on a cross-stitch? <laughs> just don't get One caught. One rule in this house. Please don't get caught. Just, oh, my God. Terrible. Uh, a year later, in September 1962... Fred ran into an old flame. He was 21 now and a changed man. He found his old girlfriend, Catherine Costello, or Rena, as she was known uh, during her time as a sex worker. She was pregnant with another man's baby when they got back together, but that did not stop them from getting married. They were married in November, and her daughter was born in February the next year, 1963. She was named Charmaine. It was said that the couple adopted Charmaine and that her biological father was not really in the picture. In July, the next year, 1964, another little bundle of joy came along. This time, a product of Fred and Rena. Anne Marie was born. Fred was spending his days as an ice cream van driver. And on oh. November 4th, 1965, he ran over a four-year-old boy. <gasps> Whoa! Mm-hmm. On purpose? Well, they don't want to talk about it. Mm. Did anything happen? No, not really. They moved. He feared for his safety after the accident, so he and his caravan moved to a park in Bishop's Cleve, Gloucestershire, at the end of 1965. So it was Fred, his wife, and two kids, Issa McNeil, who was the nanny, and Catherine's friend, Anne McFall. But growing up in the family that Fred had made, his needs were a bit more demanding than maybe some others. He had a sadistic sexual demand that terrified Catherine and the nanny, and they fled to Scotland in 1966. But Anne McFall stayed. She was drawn to him and didn't want to leave. She and the children remained with Fred. Catherine would visit the children every few months, though, and Anne became pregnant with Fred's child. And eight months later, she vanished. She was never reported missing. But in 1994, her remains were found. More on that later. Mm-hmm. September 1967 came, and Catherine tried to make it work with Fred. She was struggling, only seeing the kids every few months, so she moved back in. She only made it a year and left again, leaving the little girls with Fred. There would be uh, one more love in Fred's life, though. He seemed to be quite the ladies' man as it was. He was just a monster looking for his soul monster, and he found it. Rosemary Rose Letts. Even though Fred was still married to Catherine, technically, he, now 27 years old, met Rosemary Letts one magical day in November 1968. It was her 15th birthday. Love at first sight. And the moment she turned 16, she moved in with him. Oh, yeah. Shortly after that, they moved the whole crew out of the caravan park and into a two-story house. Moving up in the world, it seems. The family is growing, after all. Now they were in Midland Road, Gloucester. 
Rose became pregnant and gave birth to Heather Ann on October 17, 1970. Fred was doing some thieving on the side and got arrested. He was sent to jail shortly after Heather was born in December. He wasn't released until June 1971. Rose was a unique child who desperately wanted to play house. She seemed to think along similar lines as Fred. While Fred was in jail, Rose stayed busy. She cleaned house, as it were. It was getting a bit crowded, after all. It was heavily believed that she, in fact, killed Charmaine, Fred's stepdaughter from his first marriage. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of abuse in the house. The little girls were subject to brutal beatings from Rose. Maybe it was jealousy of everything that came from that first marriage? I don't know. Anne-Marie recalled that both were hit a lot, but Charmaine refused to cry. That made Rose very, very angry. She would yell at Charmaine to cry, but she wouldn't, no matter how painful the beatings were. Mid-June, just before Fred was released, Charmaine went missing. Rose told everyone that Rena had come and taken her to Scotland. However, when Rena actually showed up later that August to get Charmaine, that story didn't work anymore. Mm. But magically, Rena disappeared too. Oh mm. my gosh. Mm-hmm. Rena! So naturally, now that Rena was just gone, it freed Fred to marry Rose. And that he did on January 29th, 1972. Then, on June 1st, another baby was born. May. May West. Not oh, the actress, though, no. because she was like, born what? in 1893 in yeah. Brooklyn. <laughs> but I did find it funny. Anyway, it was also around this time that Fred talked Rose into becoming a sex worker. She did, and during that time, she had seven children. Three were mixed race. Now that family was really growing. They upgraded. They got a bigger house. Fred turned the upper level into sort of an apartment on its own. It had a room known as Rose's Room, which was used for her clients, and it had a bunch of peepholes so Fred could watch. A oh, red right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, support. Support, man. Support your wife, Support. Man. A red light was installed, and the children knew not to enter if the light was on. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> We're yeah, recording. right? We're on the air. We're on air. <laughs> One of the other things Rose had in common with Fred was her family. They, too, were incest-friendly, and her father would come by to see Rose, Bill Letts. With Fred's approval, her father would visit often and have sex with Rose. Mm, no. How mm-hmm. do you, like, become a, an adjusted human being? You don't. <laughs> you don't. end up on a true crime podcast, yes, dude. You Jesus. do bad things. Like, like, what's about to happen? That's just that's so interesting. So the children and the business were a lot to handle, so they hired a nanny in October 1972, because the other one never came back. Yeah. Uh, 17-year-old Carolyn Roberts. The couple really enjoyed having her help out with the children, so much that they invited her to join their sex circle. Mm -hmm. And she kindly was like, ah, hell to the no. Yeah. They took it well, and even invited her over December 6th, 1972. She, thinking everything was fine and normal, took them up on their invitation. Friends. I just want to say that if someone invites you to join their sex circle and you tell them no, don't go back over to their house. Ever. <laughs> ever. The couple tricked Carolyn and ended up basically kidnapping her, and they both raped her. She was allowed to leave the next day only if she promised to return to being the nanny. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yep. She did report the rape to the police, but once the case came to the courts, she withdrew. Fred and Rose did plead guilty to a lesser charge of indecent assault and were slapped with a small fine, but nothing else. Things only get worse from here, my ladies and beans. 
here come more rape and uncovering of murders. So grab your mug and maybe give yourself some fresh liquid happiness. It's only about to get more upsetting. In 1973, Fred and Rose take their sick sexual needs to even more awful heights. They took Anne-Marie to the cellar where they bound and gagged her. Rose watched while Fred raped her. She was only eight years old. And that was only the beginning. In 1979, Anne-Marie became pregnant with his child, but it was terminated. And it wasn't terminated because he was her father. No, it was terminated because it was ectopic. And she finally was able to get out of there, though. She couldn't cope with how her father was and the situation she was in any longer, and she left. Good. However, in doing that, the abuse then fell to Heather. No! It's like the Lisa Montgomery thing. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And only a few years later, Heather disappeared entirely. On the timeline of things, it seemed to remain pretty quiet until 1992. In May, Fred had filmed himself raping another one of his daughters, and then he filmed it two more times after that. She spoke up about it to one of her friends, and her friend told her mother about it. Because of that, the mother then went to the cops and told them what her daughter's friend had said. Mm -hmm. That sparked an investigation into the West family. Fred was charged with rape, and Rose was charged with an accomplice and child cruelty charges. The remaining kids, which I believe was eight, so we have May and the seven other kids, um, Heather and Charmaine have disappeared and Anne-Marie got out of there. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the remaining kids were placed into foster care, which I super hope ended up better for them, but we all know the system is also incredibly flawed and a lot of kids don't get the care that they should have. So, the rape case went to court, but unfortunately, two key witnesses declined to show up and the case fell apart. That was on June 7th, 1993. The police did not stop, though. There was still the question of where Heather was. So, they continued their investigation. Some social workers made jokes about how she was probably dead. Personally, I don't think that's very funny, and neither did the cops. The social workers had said Heather was buried under the patio. I think the other kids also made the same kind of jokes or probably knew it was fact, but they were too scared to actually say it was a fact, so they made it a joke. That would be my guess. But the cops got a warrant in February 1994, and it allowed them to do some digging. Literally. They began searching the garden for Heather's remains, as well as the house itself. Human bones were found, and Fred was arrested. He confessed, then said, JK, JK, never mind, I didn't do it. Then he was like, no, 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 I really did it. I did it. I did it. He confessed to murdering his daughter and said Rose had nothing to do with it. She was arrested, but not until April. It started out as sex offense charges, but then became murder charges. For you see, more bodies were uncovered on their property on March 4th, 1994. Yeesh. More confessions began to spring from Fred's lips. He admitted to nine murders. Whoa! Which included Rena, his Mm. first wife, and Anne McFall, the family friend who stayed with him and became pregnant before she disappeared. Mm. The couple was brought before the court in Gloucester on June 30th, 1994. He was charged with 11 murders and Rose was charged with 10. And we'll speak about the other victims that were found in a moment. These charges at first did not even include Anne McFall. It was after this court appearance that Fred was rearrested for her murder. He was officially charged with that on July 3rd. He was held at Winston Green Prison in Birmingham, and on January 1st, 1995, before he went to trial, he was found in his cell, dead. He hanged himself with a bedsheet. I did that right, right? It's hanged, not hung. 
I just had this conversation with Adam, yes. who again recommended this horrific case. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Thanks a lot, brother. <laughs> oh. Fred's funeral was on March 29th, 1995, and he was cremated. Want to guess how many people showed up? I have nobody. Brenna says nobody. How many do you think showed up, Amanda? Eight. <laughs> Eight. Three people showed up. Mm. Three people. Now, let's circle back to Rose. She, unlike Fred, never confessed and everything against her was circumstantial. However, she was found guilty on 10 charges of murder in October 1995. She was given life imprisonment. The judge for the trial said she should never be released. And 18 months later, the home security Jack Straw super agreed with that recommendation. I read an article from September 2021, and it said that she is still, in fact, locked up. She is now 67 years old and may have changed her name in prison to try to escape her past. She is possibly now being held at HMP Newhall in West Yorkshire. The house at 25 Cromwell Street was known as the House of Horrors after all the bodies were uncovered. In October 1996, it, along with any adjoining property, was destroyed. It was all made into a pathway. And they did this so that people wouldn't show up and try to take things. Souvenirs. Every brick and timber was crushed or burned. Now there's this dude who is featured on the show The Dark Tourist, which is on Netflix. Check it out. It's awesome. Oh, it's such uh, a good show. It's such a good show. But he has some of Fred West's things. And including this possible tie that he might have worn, like to court or something. And I watched that before I really knew anything about the case. And I thought it was awful then. And now I didn't even realize I could think it was more awful. Because it's awful. Why do you have any of Fred's things at all? Mm -hmm. I just, no. No. I don't know. Why is there a room in Zach Bagan's museum full of poop? Pa like, oh. what? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, serial killer. There's a poop sheet, though, right? Yeah, there is a poop uh, sheet. Yes, yes, which is also serial killer memorabilia. But I was going to talk about, like, paintings of oh, by yeah. Gacy oh, sure, sure, and Manson sure. and whatever, but never mind. Does he have Manson's uh, last... Um, he, the whatever the jumpsuit oh, the His. hospital gown that he died oh. in or something oh interesting that. Hmm. still haven't gone there okay so now that that is all over let's talk about the victims so Charmaine West was born February 22nd 1963 she was murdered by Rose while Fred was in prison in June 1971 she was only eight years old there was no official motive for this murder in August 1971 Charmaine's mother, Catherine Burnett West, Rena, was murdered. She was born April 14th, 1944, and it is believed that Fred killed her to avoid an investigation. Oh, oh. yeah. She was 27 years old. Linda Gow, born May 1st, 1953, was said to be a sex worker with Rose. When she went missing, her mother investigated. She showed up to ask Rose about her daughter, and Rose... What I read, the way I read it, it said that Rose was wearing Linda's clothes when she answered the door. And she was like, oh, she moved. Uh, yeah. Linda was killed in April 1973, and she was only 20 years old. Carol Ann Cooper, born April 10th, 1958, was living in a children's home when she disappeared. She had gone to the movies and was said to vanish as she was walking home. She was killed in November 1973, and she was only 15 years old. Lucy Catherine Partington was born on March 4th, 1952. She was 21 years old. She had spent Christmas with her family and saw a friend. When she went to catch the bus home, that was the last time she was ever seen alive. 
A week after her disappearance, Fred was hospitalized on January 3rd, 1974, needing stitches. A knife was found that matched the cut when they discovered the body of Lucy. She had been killed in December, but they believed she was kept alive for several days. She was tortured, gagged, raped, and finally decapitated and dismembered. No, 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 no. I know. She was a university student, and her cousin was Martin Amos, a novelist. Her sister, Marion Partington, spoke out years later about forgiving Fred. She even founded an organization called the Forgiveness Project. She said, As soon as the news came through that Lucy's body had been found at 25 Cromwell Street, I vowed to try to bring something positive out of this meaningless trauma. She spoke about how she remembers seeing Rosemary at the committal trial, and she began to see things differently. She learned that Rosemary had been sexually abused by her brother, abducted, and raped when she was 17. She said, During my time working in the Bristol prison on a project about restorative justice, I came to understand that most perpetrators have been victims of abuse in their childhood. People have asked her if she feels guilty or if she... Uh, feels like she might be betraying Lucy in some way by practicing forgiveness. And to that, she said, no, absolutely the opposite. I feel I'm honoring Lucy in lining myself up for forgiveness. So what exactly is the Forgiveness Project? On their Our Purpose page, it says this, the Forgiveness Project collects and shares stories from both victim survivors and perpetrators of crime and conflict who have rebuilt their lives following hurt and trauma. So I've linked the website for the organization in the show notes. They also have a podcast called The F Word Podcast, which is also linked. Mm. Uh, and we have Teresa Sigenthaler was born on November 27th, 1952. She was a student in South London and was killed in April 1974. She was hitchhiking to Ireland when she vanished and she was only 22 years old. Ooh. Shirley Hubbard, born June 26th, 1959, had left a work experience course when she disappeared. She was walking home from the class and never arrived back home. When her body was found, it was said that her head was completely covered with tape and that there was a rubber tube inserted through the tape to allow her to breathe. Okay. She was 15 years old when she was killed in November 1974. Juanita Marion Mott was born March 1st, 1957. She would stay at 25 Cromwell from time to time, but lived with a friend of her mother's in Newit when she vanished. She was killed in April 1975, and she was 18 years old. Shirley Ann Robinson, born October 8, 1959, and was a sex worker for the couple. She became pregnant with Fred's baby and vanished. She was killed in May 1978 and was just 19 years old. Allison Chambers was 17 years old, born on September 8, 1962. She was killed in August 1979, and it is believed that she's the last known murder that was sexually motivated. Hmm. Heather Ann West is the couple's last known victim. She was 17 years old when she was murdered by her parents. She was born October 17, 1970, and was killed June 1987. After Anne-Marie endured years of sexual abuse and finally left, Heather became the next main target for Fred and Rose. Fred said that he didn't mean to kill her, but it was one of those take-that-smirk-off-your-face moments that just got out of hand. Rosemary told a neighbor that her and Heather had been fighting, and because of that, it is thought that Rose actually initiated the whole thing, causing her death. The couple told their kids that Heather got a job and left, and then changed the story that she fled with her lesbian lover. If the kids were bad, though, Fred's favorite threat was that, well, if you're going to be bad, then you would end up under the patio like Heather. Hence where the joke came from. Mm. Her body was found under the patio. Mm. 
a patio that had been built over a fish pond that their son Stephen had dug out. There is thought that there are many more victims, but no proof ever surfaced. Fred did confess to murdering up to 30 people, though. Police think it's more like 13. There was a missing girl named Mary Bassholm, who was 15 years old and vanished in 1968. It is widely believed that the couple is responsible, but no body was ever found. Their son Stephen, who dug the fish pond, thinks that Mary was one of their early victims. Fred was also said to have been bragging about her murder while he was in prison in 1994. As for Anne McFall, Fred was never actually convicted of her murder, but the state of the body when it was discovered matched his M.O. She was missing finger and toe bones like many of the other victims. And that, my ladies and beans, is Fred and Rose West. Thank you, Adam. Any final sips? Kids, just quit mm -hmm. it. Fucking quit it. Everyone just stop fucking kids. Quit it. Mm -hmm. Leave them yep. alone. Yep. Leave them alone. It's so stupid. My, my note I wrote to myself was parents are supposed to be the protectors. Yeah. Like, it really makes me sick to my stomach when parents, like, ruin that trust and kill their own child. Like, I just will never understand that because... I'm not wired that way, but mm. it's just, and like, I, I don't know, this one just messes me up a lot. It's just oh, yeah. so many senseless deaths of children. Um, uh, Mae West actually wrote a book. Um, it is called Love As Always, Mum by Mae West. And uh, I saw someone recently posting about this book, so now I'm like, oh, oh, do I read it or do I not? But it's the true and terrible story of surviving a childhood with Fred and Rose West. Oof. So mm. I can't even imagine what, like, the insider look on all of that is. Hey, man, like, it's just a true, you can see the, the, um, like, line of abuse, you know? Mm -hmm. And instead of having the wherewithal to go, this stops with me, they just kept it going they did mm -hmm. yeah because they both of them and their own separate families dealt with that same type of abuse and mm -hmm. it just escalated with them mm -hmm. right yeah and then you know i mean they were treated pretty dis like like disposable you know and then they treated the people around them disposably as well but then <laughs> like they also like were easy to kill somebody and then threaten their other kids with that same fate so it yeah. just feels like if people don't matter, then fuck it. Hmm. That's what it felt like to them. Yeah. So my final sip is this. When I was looking into this awful case, I had a hard time. Um, the forgiveness project coming out of this horrible tragedy is incredible. I am also a person who believes in the power of forgiveness. In the end, it really has nothing to do with that person and everything to do with yourself and healing. Letting that toxic part go and moving on. When these horrible things happen, it may seem like it's impossible to forgive, but the truth of the matter is that that's how you heal. Hate and anger manifests in the body and mind in horrible, horrible ways. It can destroy you in every possible way. Don't give someone that power. You deserve better. You deserve to be happy and to do more. Darkness happens and that's okay. It's okay to be angry, to get upset, to even hate, but don't live there. It won't make things better or change what happened. The greatest revenge is moving on and finding a way to forgive and be happy. Find a way to bring something positive out of it, just like her sister did. It's not easy. It's a major journey that will last forever. 
but it can be a beautiful journey once you really get going. Nice. And stop fucking kids. Yeah, for stop real, though. messing stop with that. kids. Or I'm gonna come out there and beat you up myself. <laughs> she will. <laughs> she will do that. She'll do it. Oh well. So thanks, guys, for going on that journey with me. Check out that song. It's actually a really cool song. Blackest Eyes by Porcupine Tree. Um, and if you don't watch The Dark Tourist, go check out The Dark Tourist because it is really freaking cool. Um, there's a, there's some, a bunch of true crime stuff on there, actually. Um, people do some strange things. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Oh, well, going into the new year, everyone, be safe, have fun, enjoy. We'll see you again when the new year comes around. Yeah, baby. So happy new year. Happy new year. We'll happy see you soon. New year. Yeah. See you in the future. See you in the future. 2022. 20, On Morning Murders! <laughs> From the future. From the future. <laughs> Have a murder you like to talk about over coffee? We would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. In today's show notes, you can find our cited research as well as a few of our favorite mental health resources. Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I, I, I almost <laughs> said I'm Brenna. That's not great. My what? brain, my brain went. I'm Bre- uh, you're that's not Brenna. That's not right. Amanda is now Brenna. Okay. Cheesies. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so there is a band who wrote some songs inspired by serial killers. Let's say Gloucester, 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 Gloucestershire, Gloucestershire, Gloucester, 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 Brigham, Brigham, is it just Brigham, 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 like Burning Man, Burning Man, Burningham. January, I can't say it. I can't talk. I can't read. Um, um, Blackest Eyes. I was like, what's the name of it again? Gary Gilmore's Eyes. Gary Gilmore's Eyes. Gary Gilmore's Eyes. No, that wasn't the name of it. Gary Gilmore's Eyes. Gary Gilmore's Eyes. That's it. Buzz. Scary Buzzy Buzzy was a bear. It is Blackest Eyes, yeah. Final sips. You can have more than one final sip. Just sipping it. Final sips. Final sips. Final sippening. Final sippening. Amanda. 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 Game uh, where you just go, hey, Fred Schneider, what are you doing? And then the person goes in a circle, and then someone goes like, I'm going to drink some coffee. Hey, Fred Schneider, what are you doing? I'm gonna do a podcast recording, and so it's just Aww. everyone going in a circle. It's a favorite of mine. I like it. That's a fun one. I was really good at that voice. Yeah, I thought it's I was there. B fifty two, so you're here. Mm-hmm. Well, ah, uh, all right. Are we all ready? Do we need anything? Um, I just need you to have a good time. I will. This is a terrible story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs>